This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 484. And the quote of the day is, don't let someone else's opinion of you become your reality. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, boys and girls? Episode 484 of the Drummers Resource Podcast is here, and we are all moved into our new spot. And it might be a little boomy because we're working on some some treatment and stuff like that to get it a little less uh, echoey, but Justin always does a great job to, to make that happen. But uh, if that's what you're hearing, that's what's going on. But yeah, things are going well. Like I said, we just uh, we just moved right around the corner here in LA. So happy to be finally settled and and ready to rock and roll. And so if you're out, you know, if you're in the LA area, hit me up. Been here for a little while, but we've been sort of bouncing around. So we're here. We are ready to rock and roll. And uh, that's it. But quickly, I want to let you know that. You've heard all of these horror stories before. Like you've seen everyone on Instagram and everything talking about gear getting stolen. But the the good news is you can protect all of that gear up to $12,000 worth of gear for $150 a year from Music Pro Insurance. And they protect against everything, theft, loss, damage, fire, water, wind, earthquake, flooding, or even accidental breakage. Like if you drop your snare drum and it cracks, it's covered. Check them out by going to musicproinsurance.com and they specialize in insurance for musicians. They make it cheap. You can insure up to $12,000 worth of gear for about 150 bucks a year. You cannot beat that deal. Check them out, musicproinsurance.com. I promise you, you'll be glad you did if you ever lose something or break something or it gets stolen. Check them out, musicproinsurance.com. So let's get into this interview conversation here with Jerome Flood. And I came across him, I guess, through Instagram, uh, which, you know, obviously we find a lot of people on there. And one of the things, he does all these voiceover videos, which I thought were, were super funny. But uh, but his playing speaks for itself. He is an amazing player. He won the drum off or the Guitar Center drum off years ago and then really used that to catapult his career and didn't just get hung up in in just sort of living in that world of of the guitar center drum off sort of uh, sort of area, so to speak, we'll just leave it at that. But he really took his career and and blew you know blew it up and used that as a pivot point. And so he tells a really t- inspiring story about how people were telling him he was never going to get out of Rochester and all these other things. So uh, just a great story, great insight, and he's just a he's a funny dude too, which I which I appreciate. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it with Jerome Flood. Jerome, what's going on, my man? What's up? I just mumbled that whole episode. It's a it's a very uh, it's a very professional operation that we have going on over here. <laughs> uh, I'm like I can't find you on Skype. I can't talk. Uh, one of the you know one of these days we'll figure it out. But seriously though, thank you for thank you for being here. Uh, I'm I'm glad that you decided to take some time to chat. No problem. So we were just sort of we were talking off air a little bit. Uh, you're in Atlanta now, and you're originally from Rochester, which we'd mentioned. Oh yeah, you know Steve Gadd's from there. I think that you know all drummers know that uh, that that Gad Almighty is from Rochester. <laughs> Gad um, Almighty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but talk to me about talk to me about growing up uh, in Rochester. What what was the vibe like for you 
and like did you grow up in a musical family like i know that you started playing drums really young and yeah. i'm gonna go out on a limb i guess that it was in church because that's normally when people start at that age that's usually where they start i could be right i could be wrong but talk mm-hmm. to me about your childhood absolutely right uh i grew up in the church uh church of god by faith um uh i just i used to sit in the front pew with my mother all the time and just stare at the drummer I would have like two pencils in my hands and always just beating on the pews. And sometimes I used to just literally sit behind the drummer. And my church had like some of the best musicians in town, like some of the top notch guys. And so, you know, that was really inspiring for me to just see that constantly and constantly. So I was constantly seeing perfection. And mm-hmm. that kind of just molded my brain to like pay attention to different things more. And um, when I got older, I used to try to play, but I would get kicked off a lot because there was just drummers that were better than me. So I would go home and I would practice and I would be mad half the time because (laughs) they would, you know, they would make fun of me and they'll be like, oh, you sound terrible, blah, blah, blah. You know, like kids, it's just kids talking, you know, so it's not like grown people are saying that. But kids were like, oh, man, you sound terrible on drums. I go home and just practice all day. And. You get that chip on your shoulder. Exactly. I had that chip (laughs) on my shoulder, man. And then plus it was cold in Rochester because it's like an hour away from Canada. So, you know, I'm not going outside like that. So I'm in the basement shedding. People don't people don't think about that who live who don't live in cold weather climates that like there's months that you just don't want to go outside and you just sit inside and do nothing like you can either practice or watch TV or something, but you're like, you're not going outside unless it snows and you might go outside and play for, you know, a couple of hours or something like that. But like when it's five degrees below zero, yeah. nobody's going outside. People are, you no. know, people are like, oh, it's not 80 here all. all the time. <laughs> nah, I was definitely in the basement getting it in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's, there's, I think there's like a fine line of having that chip on your shoulder to where it can be detrimental or it can just be this thing that, that motivates you and inspires you and pushes you to get better and better. And I, th- and this is a complete theory, but I would imagine that growing, I, I would imagine it's the same sort of as like growing up in New Orleans that like growing up in the church, you're constantly seeing people who are great musicians. You are constantly seeing people who started playing when they were two or three, or at least started like, you know, soaking in the music and it just becomes this repetitive cycle. So like every generation is getting better and better and better, you know, and it's like, it's just pushing people to get better. To me, it's like this amazing, like breeding ground for, for musicians that, that sort of happens naturally. Yeah, that's, that's very true. But I'm going to say this, the chip on my shoulder is what definitely pushed me the hardest. Like, other than other people being, you know, equally talented or better than me. It mm-hmm. was somebody said something to me that rubbed me the wrong way when I turned 16 and I never forgot it. Would you like to hear what they said? I would love it. I would love it. They said, I'm never going to make it out of Rochester. I never really? forgot that. They said, you'll never make it out of Rochester. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Went downstairs really? in that basement and every single time was that person's face. That's what it was. <laughs> So I'm like, it just makes me practice harder. Still to this day, I'm like, I'm 32 years old. And from time to time, you know, I think about it. I don't let it get to me, but I'll be like, mm-hmm. 
you know, man, listen, I'm going to prove you even more wrong. Like, right. It's <laughs> that's just what it is. Some people, some people work best like that. I yeah. feel like because I, I follow 50 Cent on uh, Instagram mm-hmm. a lot and he's always, you know, you could tell that he got a chip on his shoulder, but he's still like it's progressing. Right. I'm not right. as bad as him, but he's definitely like still trying to catch something. Right. And that's right. why I work so hard. Well, let me, I'm going to rewind and ask you about this a little bit. So what, build some context around it. Was it like, was it somebody that you looked up to? Was it just someone who, who, I mean, you don't have to name names or anything, but were like, was it someone just sort of passing by that you ran into in a conversation or how did this go down? No, it was somebody that I had to see often. Like really every so often. Yeah. Like he played an instrument at the church mm. and yeah, he just wasn't a nice guy. And I don't know, caught him on a bad day. Wow. <laughs> Is that dude still like, in Rochester? I don't know. I'm not there, so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with Rochester. I'm just saying that, like, if you're going right. to. Musically, gonna... is really not much going on in Rochester. So right. Right. You, you right. would want to move if you're really trying to pursue your music career. For sure. It yeah. reminds me of the, the crab in the bucket theory. You familiar with that? Oh, yeah. I already yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of that. Like, for the people listening, like, if you put crabs in a bucket and one tries to get out, they will attack that crab and they'll kill it before letting it escape. Like, they yep. will not, another, the crabs will not let another crab get out of the bucket. And, like, misery loves company, you know, and, and people, uh, I think that's why it's so important to, that you always have to be, to be auditing your circle, who you're hanging out with, who you're communicating with, you know, who you're spending the most amount of time with. Do you, based on that, that, uh, that interaction, did you do you do that now? Do you audit who you keep yourself around and, and to make sure that that circle is positive and, and not trying to hold you down? Oh, yes. I, I watch people very closely. Like, and I don't let too many people in my space. So like where I live, not too many people come around here. I don't let them know where I live. I, I'm not hanging out trying to like shed with a bunch of people all the time because people are sneaky, man. Mm-hmm. People are sneaky. So. You know, you got to watch your back. You got to just, there's been times where I've just watched somebody for two years, like seriously. And then I'm like, all right, I think I like this guy. And then, you know, we go hang out and make some music or something. But it it literally takes me that long to just watch people because I want to see how they interact with other people, not just around me. Because sometimes people treat me a little different because of the drama off and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. You know, I want to see how they treat somebody who, who you know, didn't do that. And right. when I see how they act towards them, then I'm like, all right, you might be okay. Right. Yeah, it's amazing how, how it. you can tell when, when someone's approaching, whether it be you or someone else, and they, you could tell they're, they're just trying to get something out of it. Or they're like, hey, we should, we should collaborate on this thing. And you're like, wait a minute, I, this is just... You're just riding on my coattails here. Right. You got two like, followers right now and, <laughs> and right. you don't or, do nothing anyway. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think that we can there's there's good people out there and there's bad people out there. And sadly, the music business, there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of shady characters, you know. True. But once you've true. but there's a lot of great people too. I've met 
so many amazing people in music that I would never know had it not been for playing drums, you know, like lifelong friends, people that I could, that I can count on, which I'm sure you have too. Yeah. Uh, and those other people get weeded out pretty quickly. Pretty much everybody who I know who has the name Jerome is a cool person. And I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Like, <laughs> listen, listen, my dad's name is Jerome. Right. Super, super cool, laid back guy. One of my best friends' name is Jerome. Super cool, laid back guy. I think Jerome's are, you know, some good people, man. So, well, everybody next gets person to know I meet Jerome. named Jerome, I'm going to, I'll just let him in and then I'll, I'll trust him <laughs> until, I don't know. I have, do you, do, you were saying it takes you a little while to like warm up to someone. Is that, does it, is it for you to sort of, uh, because you don't feel like you have a good sense of character right off the, you know, right from the jump. I mean, it could be the atmosphere, you know, like right. some people act different in different atmospheres, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know when a lot of girls are around, some people try to act a little more macho. Right. You know, right. like when we're in church, people might act a little more reserved. So I don't know what to believe sometimes. That's a valid point. I am the same person wherever I go. I'm goofy. So right. I'm going to be goofy in church. I'm going to be goofy in the club. I'm going to be goofy while I'm playing drums. Mm-hmm. But I still take my job seriously, of course. But Well, of course. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, so. like, what do you, like, can you imagine trying to remember all those personas and lies and all that? Nah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, got, I, can't. I, can't, I can't even remember, like, where I parked my car, let alone, like, who I'm supposed to be today. I have to park in the same spot every time I go to the mall. It's got to be a Macy's. If it's not a Macy's, (laughs) it's over. (laughs) I do the same thing. (laughs) Macy's? I swear, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just like, it just makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So so let's let's go down the road a little bit of you. um, I mean, the drum off was a while ago. It was, what is it, 2008, right? So, So I'm sure that there's been a lot that have helped and maybe some things that have been detrimental that I want to talk to you about that. But talk about the road there. Like how do you go from two years old in church growing up in Rochester to winning the drum off in 2008? Okay. Um, I mean, we don't need to go through no like easy, a, right? It was no I'm, easy I'm saying, I don't want to task you with like having to like, and then when I was five, I did this. Oh, no, no, no. I'm going to skip right to it. Like, uh, I remember doing the drum off for the first time. I think I was, uh, what was I, 16? Mm-hmm. I was either six. yeah, I was 16. I lost four years in a row, four years in a row in Rochester. Like, I mean, Ooh. I won the store finals and would go to districts or whatever, go to like Detroit or Philly or something, and I kept losing. I kept losing. I moved to Atlanta, finally, a different atmosphere, different perspective, and I practiced, I practiced more than I ever did for the last, the last uh, year of me doing the competition. I remember me just playing every single day for five hours a day, the same routine, the really? same five-minute solo, just five hours a day, just perfecting it. All right, I can make this cleaner all right, make sure you don't do this, you know, because you're going to drop the stick. You don't want to drop the stick. All right, now you got to go to the store and you got to get a hat that's big enough 
to stick your stick in the hat and spin it. You got to be super particular like that. Okay, don't wear these glasses because those glasses, if those glasses fall off, then you're done because you know you can't see that well without glasses. Right. Um, <laughs> you got to make sure that you wear bright colors um, because you want to stick out, mm-hmm. you know. So it was just. How old were you when you were doing this? Um, When I won, I was 21 years old. So what were you doing, like, if you were practicing five hours a day, because I'm guessing, like, if I was listening to this, I would say, okay, so what were you doing? What were you doing for money? Were, like, how were you, how, were, did you have a night a job that you were working at night? Were you not working? Were you gigging? I wasn't working at all. Um, no? I was living with my aunt in Atlanta, uh, and I was going to Atlanta Institute of Music at the same time. Wow. So I was in school, and... I, I had a storage unit that I rented out. It was like, I don't know, uh, maybe like 90 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. So actually, I did play at a church. I was playing at a church, so I was able to pay for the storage unit on my own. But I wasn't getting paid a lot. It was probably like, right. oh, I don't I don't know, $150 uh, a week or something like that. So I had a little bit of money, but... I wasn't really gigging like that, but I had enough money to pay for the storage unit to practice. And school was the thing that really helped me the most, to be honest, because I hooked up with this teacher named Craig, and Craig gave me this list. It was like 27 things on the list. It was everything you could possibly do on drums. He said, if you do everything on this list in in your five-minute solo, you will win the drum off. He told me that. 27 things? It was 27 things. It was like... uh, Did he win it before? No, he never won it before. He just just knows. Like He's very particular with drummers. And he's just... You know, somebody can just scout scout talent like that. Right, right, right. He's He's like analyze it all and be like, right. Yeah. So And he could break down everything. So he was like, man, you got to do theme songs. You got to do... Odd time signatures. You gotta do stick twirls. You gotta do all types of stuff. You had. You gotta have dynamics. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. It was so much stuff on the list, and I did it. And I would practice it every day. I came back to the school and I showed him my whole routine, and he just looked at me. He was like, "I think you got it." That's all he said. I think you got it. <laughs> and then he won. So, yep. Then I won. It's nuts. Yeah, all these people crazy. are 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 feverishly googling trying to find Craig so they can win or the twenty seven oh, things on the list. Man, I gotta I gotta uh, go back to the school and get it because you should I just take it. that list, the twenty seven things you need to do to win the Guitar Center drum off, and sell it for massive amounts of money. For real, like it would. That's definitely some gold right there. <laughs> Seriously, you got a one page book coming out. It's three hundred fifty dollars. Man. <laughs> 27 things you need to do to win the Guitar Seriously. Center drum off in one Listen, page. Okay. That list is the best list in the world. Like, you can't do anything else after that. Like, right. So, you know how, like, uh, you ever watch Eight Mile? How, yeah, of course. How Eminem talked about every single thing so nobody yeah. else could but do it. Like, now tell them something they don't know about me. Right. That was yeah. that list. I did everything. So, anybody. That wasn't doing everything like that before or after me. Like, you know, it's over. Right. 
Right. So you're like, oh, you electron? Yeah, I did that. Okay. Acrobatic. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Yep. I like it. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. You should have worn a, a M&M shirt or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to me. Um, so, and it's interesting. The reason why I asked like what you're, what you were doing leading up to it and, and preparing for it, because I remember, uh, I don't specifically remember what Eric Moore did, but I remember talking to JP Bouvet about it. And he was like, I dropped out of college to, to practice for this thing. Wow. And what, were you going to say something? No. No. Uh, yeah. So he dropped out of college to, to, uh, you know, cause he wanted to win the drum off. And I, so I was thinking like, is that really necessary? And for you, you know, you're practicing five hours a day, not really working that much. You know, do you think that, do you think it's possible to win without, do, not that I'm saying, do I think it's possible to win without putting that much dedication into it? But do you think it has, like you could do other things while you're preparing for that? Or is it just like, um, you just got to be head down that and that's it? I don't know, man. Like everybody's different, but that's just, that's just how it worked out for me. Mm -hmm. I do know that, uh, I was on the verge of failing school. I do know that. Right. Because, I mean, I just wasn't doing any of my tests. I was practicing more than anything. And they kept having me travel. So right. I was missing a lot of class. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't Do they pay for the travel or is the travel on you? Oh, no, they pay for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not paying for that. No way. Yeah. <laughs> No, why well, wasn't have any money? <laughs> right. Well, I'm just curious. You know, like I'm sure that people are wondering. You know, how how to do it? How is it, is it expensive for them and and all that sort of stuff? So this is interesting. Getting sort of like the the nuts and the bolts of it. Um, yeah. So but obviously, there's a. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah. It, you know, it it depends on what your, you know, what your mind frame is. If you think you need to drop out, you know, school is always gonna be there. But then the competition is going to be there too, so it's a balance. Well, the competition not even there anymore. I don't even think they do the drum up anymore. Um, yeah, I think it's over. Yeah, they stopped like what two years ago. Yeah, but I mean, still, like that's just a good mind frame to have. Like I listen to like Gary V a lot. You know Gary mm -hmm. V? Yeah, of course. I spoke at a conference with him. Oh yeah, yeah. I like how I like how Gary V thinks because that's how I think. Like. I want to do what I want to do right now, and I want to give it my all. Like, right. I'm not saying school doesn't matter. School does matter, but school will always be there. Sometimes your dreams won't always be there. So you got to, you know, get it right. while you can. Yeah. Dude, you know what's funny about Gary Vee? I started uh, – he had a wine show years ago, and my family's in the restaurant business. My wife works in wine, blah, blah, blah. So, like, I've known about this dude since, like, 2009 mm -hmm. right and uh and i was talking to my wife a couple years ago and uh, i was like yeah you know gary vaynerchuk and she's like the wine guy and i'm like yeah and he's like he's doing <laughs> like he's doing some like business stuff too now and this was like a while ago and uh and so i would like reference him once in a while because i started the podcast in 2013 and some dude sent me a message on twitter and was like dude stop trying to be the fucking gary v of the drum world and all this stuff I'm why like, not I'm like, what are you talking? I'm like, whatever. I just thought it was. I just thought it was pretty funny. 
um, because no one knew, like no one at the time knew who he was, and now everyone I talk to, they're like, "Oh yeah, you know who Gary Vee is?" I'm like, "Of course," but it's just <laughs> like seeing, like I remember just seeing him like on Twitter, and he had like literally like forty thousand followers, and now he has like five million. It's insane, yeah. like how big he's blown up, and now before it was wine, and then it was business and entrepreneurship, and now it's just like it's just life, you know? Yeah, I have been seeing him for a minute. Like it's been a few years, but. You know, he just started putting way more content up. And yeah. I'm like, oh, man, this guy's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. He's a nut. He's a nut. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, winning this – and I don't want to keep harping on this, but I'm, I, I want to transition into a little bit more of your career. Obviously, winning the drum off has its benefits, right? And it gives you notoriety. Yeah. It gives you connections with, with, uh, with brands and things like that. You can use it on your resume, blah, 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 blah. What about thing? How has it hurt you in any way? Has it has it been has it sort of pigeonholed you a little bit to say like oh he's just the drum off guy or all oh, he plays is chops or anything like that? Is that something you ever had to deal with? Um, as far as chops, not really because I was always doing a lot of posting on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter of me just playing songs. Because mm-hmm. I really enjoy just playing songs. So, you know, people are begging for me to do chops, to be honest, because I'm not doing them that much. So, the but the one thing that the drum off, you know, did kind of slow down was like me doing gigs with people because mm-hmm. they think I'm already busy. Uh. So, they won't call me. They'll be like, oh, man, you know, I I know you got so much going on, man, you know. I just figured that, you know, you were busy, so I didn't call you. I'm like, please, call me. Yeah, like, I'll figure it out. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd rather you call me and me turn it down than for you just not to call me. That's the so, worst. Yeah, oh, man, but, I would have called you. I, we were, I'm like, man, I was going to send you. I was, man, I wish I knew you were down down the street. I was going to give you this check for a 1000 bucks, but Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've had that happen a few times, man. Yeah. Or, or I over or uh, I missed the phone call and call him back five minutes later and then I missed two big gigs. I'm like, no way, man! Like, just pick up, man. Yeah. Five minutes. Yeah. Do you know? They uh, think that I'm busy. You're in Atlanta. You know little John Roberts. Yes, that's my big brother. He uh, he's he's my buddy. He's a Philly guy. Um, but he was saying he missed a call years ago for James Brown. Like, oh wow, back before cell phones. And uh, got home and like heard it on his voicemail or something. It was like, oh, no. no, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. See, it just reminded me of that when you're like missing calls. Yeah, the thing with mine was uh, there was no voicemail. It was just somebody I know that can make it happen called mm-hmm. me, and yeah. I I just missed it. I woke up like a few minutes later, tried to call them back, and they wasn't picking up. And uh, then I found out what it was for. It was like for uh, Sierra, you know, mm-hmm. the dancer, singer, yeah. Sierra and Lloyd. It was like two gigs. Like I was going to have two artists to play for at the same time. I missed the call. I was so hurt because yeah, I didn't work for a long time after that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But it was cool. It, I figured it out. Yeah. I mean, go like we're talking about all this chop stuff, and and a lot of the stuff that you know, obviously, all the chop stuff, most of it is not super practical or 
you know, you don't use it on a gig or anything like that. What's been your What's been your approach to balancing both of those? Balancing learning chops, being able to play chops, having facility, and then res- I don't want to say restricting yourself, but having the the wisdom to know what to play on the gig, what not to play on the gig. You know, because it's a fine line with someone who who can. It's like it's like you're standing there with a bazooka in your hand, and yeah. you got to like. You're like, oh, don't pull, don't pull the trigger on this. Don't, right. you know, like I gotta, I gotta, like, you know, fight this dude with my hands. But I got this bazooka right here, and I could just pull that. <laughs> you know, the thing is, when you truly enjoy music, like, you're not gonna want to chop all the time. You're gonna want to be sensitive to the music. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if it's just something that's just really musical and it's just flowing right. Like, you know that a chop wouldn't go there. A chop is a chop is supposed to go when you're setting something up to go to the next part or it's just like the climax of the song and you got a certain spot where you're just gonna chop or you got a solo. That's really all chops are for. Um or you could approach it like this. Um, let's say the band is not really filling up the gaps like they should. I would probably, you know, pull out some more stuff just to you know, make it a little more entertaining, but not too much. It's a science to it. But then mm-hmm. also, um, I grew up watching a lot of DVDs. So I watched like Beyonce DVDs, Destiny's Child, Usher, mm-hmm. Prince, uh, Michael Jackson, Christina Aguilera, like all the drummers that were on there. I would just listen to the music constantly and see what they do for what part. And it kind of just puts that in your brain what you're supposed to do at what certain part they're not chopping every song all song i mean every song you know for the whole thing Mm -hmm. they're paying attention to the music and they're getting their check right right (laughs) that's what it's about (laughs) yep well you know i think that we we live in this world where everything is sort of short spurts without without context context so we have a lot of con- like you you listen to gary v all the time right so like he talks about the idea of like content and context so we see someone play a 30 second clip of something and you're like oh that's how i should be playing but it's like well that was actually a 30 second clip at the end of a show and it's part of the show for them to go crazy or there's this particular section where they're freaking out or you know it whatever it is there's there's not a lot of context to the things that are going on and the flip side of that i don't feel like there's a lot of people doing what you did watching a ton of dvds or watching a bunch of videos and really studying learning understanding how grooves are understanding chord progressions understanding you know how to how to get in and out of a verse and all these all these yeah. other intricacies of playing music i think there's a lot of just like playing drums now and it's like yeah, like I like and- I said, when you really love music, you'll take the time to listen to it. Like music is enjoyable. Like everybody loves music. I can just sit there and just listen to a piano player play because I love the way it sounds. And mm-hmm. I used to go to orchestras a lot too. Like uh, I don't know, they just used to have stuff like that in Rochester. I would just go there and listen to the, the orchestra play. There's not too much drums going on with the orchestra. So you got to really love music to go, you know, watch them play. Mm-hmm. And if you enjoy it like that, 
then you're not going to want to chop all over the place. Chopping is for clinics. If you want to do your own clinics, you can chop all day, but then you got to explain it. So good luck. <laughs> what do you mean you got to explain? You got to explain what you played? Yeah, exactly. <sighs> no thanks. Right. <laughs> I'd just sit down and, and just hammer out a groove. If you're looking for a top-of-the-line snare, then look no farther than the Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series. These are designed to combine sound concepts to create unique and personal instruments for the demanding player. They come in three unique variations, and they all have their own unique sound quality to them. You have the Heartbreaker, which is dark and rustic and throaty. You have the Cherry Bomb, which is vintage, controlled, and precise. And then you have the Equinox, which will give you that classic, bright, articulate sound. To learn more about the Mapex Black Panther Design Lab series, go to mapexdrums.com. Hey, do yourself a favor and check out Promark's Select Balance Drumsticks. These sticks give players the ability to fine-tune their standard stick model to fit their playing style. Let me give you an example. If you play rock or country or metal, check out the Forward Balance. These are front-weighted and give you enhanced power and speed. If you are playing jazz or funk or gospel, then check out the rebound balance. These are rear weighted and gives you more finesse and more agility. Plus, they're made by Promark, which you know you're going to get a quality product because they control the entire process from the forest to the finished drumstick. Plus, they're paired by pitch and by weight, so there's zero guesswork when you're grabbing that stick out of your stick bag. Do yourself a favor. Check them out by going to Promark.com. I ask this question a lot, and I think it's a, I think it's a valid question, and I don't think there's an easy answer to it. But if you are a younger player, you don't have a ton of experience. If you want to get to that next point, and I'm not even saying next level, but you want to get to that that next next point in like your listening or your understanding of music and your understanding of what I get, a, I get a lot of people saying, well, I don't really know what I'm listening for, or I don't know, you know, how to hear it differently. What are some suggestions that you have if you if you came across a player who's who's not necessarily hearing the music the way they should be or not playing to serve the music better and you know not playing together with the musicians? Uh, I mean, that takes time, and sometimes somebody literally has has to tell you like what you're doing right there that's not right, so you need to switch it up. And if you don't know how to switch it up. You need to, whatever song that you're playing, if it's a cover song, listen to the record. And because the records aren't wrong. And then listen to whatever band is playing that live on YouTube. And I'm pretty sure if there's a lot of people in the crowd, what he's playing is probably right. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to take that and just make it a part of your, uh, your ammo. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know, eventually it will naturally come out. Oh, I'm supposed to be doing this type of feel right here. Like, it just takes time. You, you're you not going to really learn that, you know, on your own. And that's why I kind of play like I play because I grew up in the church. So I was constantly watching what the drummers were doing. I mean, I was locked in. And mm-hmm. I would see, like, if a drummer messed up and the organist is just yelling at them, Okay, I know I should never do that right there because I'm gonna get yelled at. Right, like it's just it's experience. That's all. It's just gonna yeah. take some time. Yeah, I always think it's funny that 
you know, you ask, you ask someone like who their favorite player is, or, you know, you'll hear someone talk about someone like, Oh man, I love the way they play. And then you hear them play and you're like, then why don't you try to play like them? <laughs> like there's so many people that are like, Oh man, James Gadsden, I love the way he plays, man. And then they get behind the kit. And I'm like, you sound like a machine gun. <laughs> you know, or like tennis shoes in the dryer and like this and James Gadsden plays nothing and grooves right. his ass off. That, that thing Man. that's what's never it's never really made sense to me. And I'm not being smart because I understand that like if you have a if you have a uh, a younger ear, then you're not gonna understand. Like I thought when I was playing along with records, I was playing the right stuff and I just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um but but I, it, it, it's always blown my mind. Like, even older guys are like, oh, man, I love Steve Gadd. And I'm like, well, wow, you don't sound like him at all. <laughs> like, and I'm not saying you should try to sound like him. I'm saying, like, you're you're not even, like, approaching it. Right. I don't you're, know, you're, man. I'm, that's probably – they probably just don't practice enough, man. Could be. Yeah. You know, you should be able to take things from certain people and make it your own. But if – you know, if you're not even in the ballpark, like, I don't know what you're doing. You ain't practicing five hours a day. I'll tell you that. Right. I don't know what it is. <laughs> right. Or you're just playing and you're not practicing. You know, like, you're not. Right. You're not trying to get better. You're not uh, You're not working on the thing. Because naturally, we tend to sit behind the kit and play the things that are easy. Because it sounds good and it feels good. Yeah. Me and my friend, uh, Tim Newton from San Diego. Mm-hmm. We always used to play this game. I would go to San Diego and just shed with him one on one, and everything that we sucked at is what we focused on. So we would take time and just like keep the beat with our hands and try to solo with our feet, and we would run out of ideas so quickly. And I would try to stop and do something else. He, he'll look at me and be like, "Keep going, bro. What are you mm-hmm. doing? If we suck, we gotta not suck." So we got to keep doing it. Like, that's all it is. And that hurts, man. It hurts your ego really bad because, like, right after you get done practicing, you're like, I don't really want to play drums for the rest of the day. I think I'm good, actually. Right. Like, let's let's just go get something to eat, bro. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, I mean, that's what it takes. Yeah. I think think it's hard, too, when when you're playing something that's, like, that's – deceptively hard so like you sit down and you're like oh this should be really easy and you start to play and you're like why can't i play this i should be able to play this and then for me i know that i naturally like try to play it faster (laughs) which is stupid i'm like i should be able to play this sometimes there's these tempos that just mess with me man like when i hear it i'm like oh yeah i'm about to kill that and then Mm -hmm. i play it I'm like, oh, this just isn't the right tempo for anything. Like, I feel like I can't do anything but play the regular beat. Anytime I try to do a lick, it just sounds terrible or it feels terrible. Like, man, that's a struggle. I've mm-hmm. had those moments plenty so of times. So how do you correct it? Just keep just keep your head down? Keep it going? Yeah, you have to keep practicing it. And then a year or two years later, you forget that you even used to struggle with it. Right. Like, you ever, you ever practiced one song and then it just it, I don't know it just didn't go well for you two or three years later you're just nailing that song yeah you're like, like I can't believe I couldn't play this yeah that's what I'm saying like that's what it takes 
what how do you evaluate what to practice or how do you evaluate things that need to need to be worked on in your playing because it's easy to pick just an arbitrary thing like we could pick 10 things every single day for the rest of our lives to work on um that's tough uh usually what i do is um i'll go on youtube and i'll watch i'll watch some drummers and see what they were doing and see if i could you know accomplish it mm -hmm. and if i can't you know i'm just gonna keep working on that until i can get it done and then after i accomplish it their way all right now i'm gonna uh try to move it in a way that i feel more comfortable about it that's the best way for me to practice to be honest and i write it down too because i know i'm gonna forget the next day so i write down oh right. uh, man like chart uh, it out or write down what you did oh no just write down like at four minutes and 25 seconds uh eric moore did this and then I, now i gotta go look at it and try to break it down and then i'm gonna try to play it in reverse or something so nobody even realized that I got it from him because I, I don't want people thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I just think weird like that. I don't know. I try to, I just try to think different. And then um, also when you have like the rudiment poster, mm -hmm. you can just look at that stuff all day long. Like that stuff never gets old. Yeah. From rudiment one to rudiment 40, you can just pick a rudiment. And I could practice a perididdle all day and come up with like a thousand combos. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. so you'll never run out of things to practice when you have, you know, the 40 rudiments. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how I think about it. I, and the reason why I asked that, I think it's overwhelming where, you know, you look at someone and, you're like, man, they can play everything, and they're seemingly can play everything. But I'm like, nobody plays the stuff that they can't play. So, so uh, right. of course, the stuff that they're playing is going to sound good. But, but you know, it's like, should I practice swing? Should I practice rock? Should I practice oh, independence yeah. with my hands and my feet? Or should I do, you know, this? Or should I do that? Or what to, you know? I try to practice all of the above because I just don't want to get in a situation where I get embarrassed. Right. So, you know, if you go to Nam. You will get embarrassed quick if you don't know what you're doing. That's why I don't sit behind any drum set at night. <laughs> They're like, you want to see this kid? I'm like, no, nah, I'll check it out later. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> or I just stand over top of it and I do like, I hit one tom and then I like, I do like the nod. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds I get sounds so good. nervous when I go to them and I sit behind the set because they recognize me and they start just pulling their phones out. Yeah. And they're pulling their phones out, putting it in your face. And you better do something. If you don't do something dope within the next 10 seconds, they're, they're going to walk away. <laughs> and you're not going to feel good. And every time they see you, they're going to walk right past you. Right. So, But does that matter? Like, does it matter? Does it, it matter? It matters to me. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> it oh, matters well, to me. I, 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 I got a reputation and I don't want, I don't want to fail anybody. I want... I want to be the best. I don't want to be cocky, but I want to be the best. And I want people to know that when I'm behind these drums, something great is going to happen. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean I need to go to NAMM and, 
and shed for everybody. It doesn't mean that, but if I am going to do it, I need to do it. Right. I shouldn't have touched the drums at all. Right. I mean, I, I understand that. I guess to... I guess to me, and I'd love to hear what you think about this, but I think that there's a difference between, you know, the drumming business at NAMM versus like, you know, what people, what the MD for Music Soul Child thinks of you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. That's a tough question, man, because I mean, NAMM is really just showing off, to be honest. Yeah. You know? Unless you're like doing a uh, a showcase or whatever, then mm-hmm. you really got to bring it for sure. When you're uh, playing for Music Soul Child, because I used to play for him, right? Um, this is a whole nother ball game because he's testing your memory. He he likes to throw stuff at you, mm-hmm. like I don't know, man. Like we had to learn a whole show one time in five hours. And we had to go on tour the next day. And he's just adding on stuff and adding on stuff. We go to sound check. He's just adding on stuff. So it's testing your patience, testing how well you can listen. Mm-hmm. So that is a big difference. But, I mean, in either side, I don't want to disappoint. Right, right. That's just what I'm hard on myself, man. I don't know. Yeah, and I guess the root of the question is: Are do you do you think that they're different, or do you think that they're the same? Like, do you think that there's there's the the drumming nam music instrument sort of like chops flash show off world, and then there's music directors tours, you know? Oh well, playing. yeah, that's definitely different because there's a lot of people that go to nam that can chop 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 and. They don't have a gig. Yep. So I want the money. So yeah. I'm going to do what I got to do to get the money. I'm, I'm going to play these songs. I'm going to be musical, and you're not going to forget. And also, I'm, I'm kind of even past that stage of you know, just gigging for artists because I have my own rock band now. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm focused on you know, making a show. So that's a whole other thing right there. That's like not just, you know, listening to somebody tell you how to make music musical. It's like, okay, how do you make this whole show musical? Like now I have to like pick the the opening act. Okay, is he going to flow correctly into our set? Like is it going to be a roller coaster ride or is it just going to be a tragedy? So it's so many things to think about when... You know, you're in this music business. It's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you like Do you like the idea of being the band leader better than than the higher gun? Um, you mean like uh, my own, just having my own personal stuff, yeah. my own. Yeah, I mean, band? with like with Floodgate, I mean, it's it's your band, right? I mean, you're not, yeah, you're not hired yeah. to just to just come and play drums, but no, yeah, it's my band. Um, so more responsibility, more freedom, obviously. Uh, it's more responsibility, but I think I like it more because I know how I work. And I know mm-hmm. that, you know, when I say this is going to get done, it's going to get done. Like, right. that's the best thing about it. When I say I'm about to sell these tickets, 
I sell the tickets. You know, like <laughs> I'm I'm calling people like on the phone, like buy some tickets to my show. You know, like it's in my control. Right. So I've you know been on gigs where I want something to be right so bad, but it just won't get right mm-hmm. because somebody else is in control of it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'll get to it later. Uh, no, like I'm going to do it now. When I say there's if there's a part wrong in the song and I say I'll fix it when I get home and I'll email it to everybody tonight, that's what's going to happen. Right. That's what I do. So I like Yes, I like being in control of my own situation. And back to the Gary V stuff, like it's like helping me be an entrepreneur, like having your own thing. Like it's like yep. the the entre the the entrepreneurial test, like having your own show. And when I say having your own show, like we had to book the venue, we had to hire the sound guy, we had to hire the Pro Tools guy, the merch guy, the person at the door. We had to do all of that. We had to bring our own equipment in, man. Like, there's a whole lot. We had to sell yeah. our own tickets. Um, we had to find an opening act. Like, it's so much to, you know, so much stuff to think about, but it just helps you grow as a businessman. Yeah, and, for sure. And it helps you, and, you know, it just makes you appreciate music that much more. Like, it just makes you go harder for your own stuff. Yep. So I'm paying attention to my music more. I'm practicing my own music. We made the music, you know, and I'm still practicing it because I just want it to be as best as it can be for our fans. Mm-hmm. It's mind boggling once you get inside of it and you start realizing all the nuts and bolts that that happen with it. But I mean, I did that for, you know, 17 years of a band that we grew to a, a decent sized band. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and it's it's yeah it's hard and and all of that but it's i i agree with you that it, it gets you more connected to the music you have a vested interest in it you you really care it's like your baby you know and you yeah. you start to like you really care about the product that you put in you really care about the relationship you really care about how the business runs making sure you're getting like you said the right opening act to, to make sure that they're going to be the right people for the show making sure that the people who are working for you aren't scamming you or skimming off the top and all that kind of stuff like because mm-hmm. uh, you want every aspect of it to be to be right i don't see it any different than opening up a clothing store or, or anything else like you believe in the product and and you work your ass off for it exactly exactly i love but, it me too man it's a grind yeah for sure uh so let's talk about your most uh, prolific work to date, which would be your voiceovers that you do on Instagram. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm working on one right now. I'm gonna put it up in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> dude, they're so fu- the the uh, which one was it? Uh, oh, the the Mike Johnston one, dude. I lo- like oh. lost it, <laughs> like just completely lost it in my kitchen. It was like <laughs> rolling. I was racking up i watched it like seven times in a row that's funny man i mean they're all funny they're all funny yeah only one person got mad i'm not gonna say his name but only one person got mad (laughs) why i don't know man i don't know but uh people need he hasn't hit me he 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 hasn't hit me up at all when i say at all like he didn't even comment on it i know people were posting or tagging him in it, he didn't say a word. 
just went ghost. I'm like, yo, man, it's just all fun and games. It helps everybody get extra followers. That's all I'm doing it for. <laughs> I just wanted to see if I could really do it. And and I thought, I don't know. I was, when I was Did doing it, I was down? like, no, I didn't take it down. No. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> when I, uh, the first time I did it, I was like, man, this is about to be stupid. People are going to be like, what are you doing? Take this down. And then, like, maybe three hours later, I got 600 comments on it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So I need to do this more often. Started yeah. doing it every week. And um, most people are cool with it. Dude, they're you know, funny. They're funny. <laughs> <laughs> they're really – and it's just like – I don't know. I think it's like a – a breath of fresh air you know it's just like yeah something different do you something follow different. this guy named tony baker no tony baker does like animal voiceovers so tony baker. i would watch him and i was like man i should do that for drums man and oh, tony tony baker comedy yeah yeah so he's crazy with his voiceovers i was like man i should do that for drums but Usually drummers don't really say nothing; they just make weird faces. So if you're making a weird, <laughs> if you're making a weird face, like I'm not even finding these videos anymore. People are sending them to me. Oh, really? So <laughs> if I'm making fun of you, somebody already thought that you were weird or something. Like, <laughs> so I'm just... see, the other one with the dude, oh, the dude grooving, that he's like moving his hips and then like. I can't even remember. And then he like takes his sticks and like rings them up around his head and like points or something. I don't know. I'll Did he lick his stick? No, that was Rich Redmond. Oh, okay. This dude was like a black remember. dude and he looked like he was playing like an R&B gig and he was like, he was like shimmying back and forth while he was playing. <laughs> I can't even remember. I gotta look. I forget which, I forget which one it was, but it was Man, funny. crazy. So for people listening who haven't checked him out, if you go to Jerome's instagram page he does voiceovers over top of people playing drums and they're absolutely hilarious so <laughs> you guys should check that's them out <laughs> that's funny man so yeah. uh so what's going on talk we talked about the band um a lot but where where can people check out the music where you know where can they see you guys live where's the best in, or you know where's the best place that they can they can tag along and, and keep an eye on where you're going to be we have a uh uh Instagram page called Floodgate, F-L-O-O-D-G-E-I-G-H-T, spelled gate a little different. Um, so you can check us out on that for updates of shows. We have a show coming up May 10th in Atlanta at this place called Aisle 5. And it's going to be a few rock bands there. It should be pretty cool. Um, we're going to plan our – we're going to do another show – our own personal show again in a couple of months, you know. Uh, so everybody, stay tuned. We gotta, we gotta drop some more music. We have some music that we have done. We just have to like re-record it because we want mm -hmm. it to be perfect. But we have a singer in our band now, so it's not just instrumentals. We got a lovely singer. She's got an amazing voice, and she's an amazing writer. Like, it's awesome, man. And she also has her own music as well on her own page. So if you uh, go to the Floodgate page, you'll see where I posted her, and you can follow her page and check out her own music too. 
Like, I want everybody to have their own thing as well. It just helps us grow together, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. I like, so. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it right now. Uh, cool. Mm -hmm. And what we'll do, like, all this stuff will be linked up in the show notes so the listeners know they can go and find the links to, to everything. Where's the best place to follow you on Instagram? Yeah, Instagram. Okay. And yep. what's, your, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, my personal one? Yeah. Uh, Jerome Flood 2. Perfect. The number 2. Nice. Yeah. And yeah, follow him and uh, for nothing else, at least check out the uh, <laughs> the voiceovers. They're <laughs> hilarious. And there's I'm some, there's drop, some, I'm about to there's some like, okay, like uh, are you, are you? Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. And uh, how long did they take you? Um, I don't know. Sometimes I just break them up and do them in sections. Like, right. Uh, it might take like 30 minutes. It's not yeah, that long. That's not, that's not bad. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh, again, thank you for, for doing this. I appreciate you taking the time to chat. And uh, I'm going to go out and try to find some other Jeromes to be friends with because you've proven, <laughs> you've proven that uh, Jeromes are cool. So yeah, I'm going to go try to find some other ones. But uh, thanks, thank you again for, for doing this. I appreciate it, man. And good luck with the band. I know you know it's not luck involved. It's, it's work. But, but uh, I can't wait to see what you make of that band. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Likewise, of course. I'll talk to you soon. There you have it. The one and only Jerome Flood. For all the show notes, you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 484. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Peace.